Good morning, everyone. We're going to be reading from Genesis chapter 40. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Genesis chapter 40. If you're looking for the version that we use so you can read word for word on a mobile device, we read from the English Standard Version, the ESV, on Sunday mornings. And we're in a sermon series, and we're calling it Turning the Tables, reading from Genesis chapter 40 today. And this is the third sermon in this series. If you missed any of the previous ones, you can always go on Facebook, our Facebook page, and uh, just search for Harrisonville Community Church, and you can catch up on a sermon if you were gone. And that's a great thing to do during sermon series so you can kind of keep up with what happened week after week because a lot of times in sermon series what we talk about builds uh, one upon another and so if you've missed any sermons you can always go online and uh, and watch those on Facebook make sure to like those sermons and share those as well those are a great way for people in your life great way to share the gospel because people say hey what is he watching what is she watching and then uh, people might hear the gospel through that as well and so make sure to check out our Facebook page And we're going to begin in Genesis chapter 40. We're reading the story of Joseph. And the first thing that it says in Genesis chapter 40, at the very beginning, the first verse, it says, Sometime after this. And we're pretty far in this sermon series, third week. So what is this? Sometime after what? Well, we're reading the story of Joseph. Joseph is a favorite child of his father, Jacob. Jacob's got 12 sons. He loves Joseph the most. And the brothers of Joseph, those 11 others, they get jealous of Joseph and they hate him for a couple reasons. One is that his father loves him more. The other is that God has called him to lead. And God has called him to lead his family. He's given him dreams of his leadership and his family following him. And rebellious people, his brothers turn and say, no, we're not going to follow you. And dad loves you more and you're called to lead. God favors you. Dad favors you. We hate you. And they're going to go kill him. But being truly terrible people, uh, killing doesn't give them enough benefit themselves. And they say, well, wait a minute. What can we do to get more out of this? And so they decide instead to sell him. And so they sell him into slavery. And so God had a plan to bless Joseph and for him to lead. But people wanted to stand in the way of that plan. His brothers wanted to stand in the way of that plan. And they wanted instead for him to be, instead of him being blessed, And lead, they wanted to crush him and destroy him, and so they sell him into slavery. And Joseph has run into a massive setback in his life. And for those who don't believe, this will turn them away from the Lord. It will reveal where their hearts are at. Because when we go through tough times, if Jesus isn't our God, we'll turn on him because he's not giving us what our God really is. If we go through a, a time in our health, where our health is suffering. And we turn away from the Lord because he hasn't blessed us with health. What's been revealed is that we never had Jesus as our God. Our own personal comfort, our own personal health, our own personal well-being was always our God. We were always our God. And that was just revealed in the suffering. If we go through a time of poverty and we turn away from the Lord because of that, What's been revealed is that he was never our God. Our God was our prosperity. It was our money. And what God has done is he's allowed that suffering just to reveal our hearts to ourselves, to others, so that we all know where we stand. And Joseph is faithful to the Lord. And Joseph's story continues on. He's faithful to the Lord in slavery. He rises back to the top. He's a dependable, faithful individual who's hardworking, trustworthy, 
The brothers meant to destroy Joseph with what they did. Instead, God, his plans haven't changed, and he's still got a plan for Joseph to lead. And Joseph leads in a way better situation than what he was. His brothers meant to destroy him, but the only thing they've done in the end is bless him further, because now he doesn't have to lead them. He gets to be in Egypt. He's sold into slavery. He rises to the top. The pharaoh of Egypt, Potiphar, the servant of Pharaoh, he looks at Joseph and he says, everything this guy does succeeds and prospers. He's a dependable, trustworthy man. I'm going to make him, I'm going to put him over everything in my kingdom. No one would be greater in my kingdom than he. And so Joseph goes from leading those brothers who are rebellious to leading the greatest nation on earth at the time. And that's what God does. That's why we're calling this sermon series Turning the Tables because if we reject God during our times of suffering, then we won't see his plans and Satan's plans will succeed. But if we keep our faith in the Lord, then no matter what Satan brings into our life or inspires people to do, God's plans don't change and he will use what Satan means to crush us and instead turn the tables on that and use it to bless us. And so Joseph's no longer in slavery, he is above the nation of Egypt. God's plans for him have succeeded. Might not have felt like that at the time. What is that chorus, uh, what is that bridge, that song we said? Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. And that is our God. And that's why we never stop believing. The unbeliever will turn away and will be revealed who their God is. But for those whose God is the Lord, they will keep trusting even when it doesn't look like it, even when it doesn't seem like it, because they know who God is. They know what God is like. And Joseph is a follower of God, and all of a sudden he is back after a period of suffering, of setbacks. He's back in the palace, but not for long. His master's wife tries to seduce him. He won't have any of it. He's a faithful man, even in temptation. And his wife, the master's wife, gets upset. She lies about him. And she says, he's trying to seduce me. And he gets sent right back to prison. But whether Joseph's in the palace or in the prison, he's faithful to the Lord. And even in prison, he is going to rise to the top. Because God's plans for him never change. God's plans for him to lead. And you might be going through difficult times as well, just like Joseph. Here Joseph's back in the prison again. You might feel that way in your life. I'm here. How can God's plans for me include this? Why is God allowing this? What good can come of this? You might be in a time of waiting to see the Lord turn the tables. You might be in a time of suffering, a time of waiting where God is still working in your life, but you have no idea where he is. And yet what we learn from Joseph is that he is still working, even when it doesn't feel like it. And if you're sitting there and you're doubting God's activity in your life because of Satan, what Satan is doing, it's really easy to attribute Satan's work to God. I don't know why. But because we're sinners, because we don't see God face to face, difficulty comes into our life and we doubt who God is and we get confused. And we think, well, maybe God wanted this evil in my life because he's allowing it. Maybe he wanted it. Maybe he's causing whatever. And one of the greatest aspects of spiritual maturity as a believer is being able to attribute to God what is God's and attribute to Satan what is Satan's because that is spiritual maturity, to be able to distinguish between the spirits. 
between good and evil, between God and Satan. And it's not that easy. It's easy to talk about. It's easy to say, well, of course I'd know what God is doing. And of course I'd know. But actually, when we're in it, we don't. We're suffering. Say, God, did you want this? God, did you bring... But real things happen that are against God's will. And the Bible doesn't deny that. And what the Bible says is God is going to fix it. If life isn't fair, if life is terrible, the Bible knows it. It talks about it. It's the whole point. The point is that God knows it's terrible. God knows there's suffering. God knows there's evil. God knows how it got here. God knows how he'll remove it. And God's got a plan for it. If you're sitting there and you're saying, God, where are you? Where are you? And you're starting to doubt God's existence. A lot of people will say, oh, the Bible just doesn't, it, it, it's not addressing where I'm at. Well, the problem is what you need to do is read the Bible more. You need to read the Bible more. If you're suffering, you feel like God's nowhere to be found, and you're like, this doesn't work. The answer is not that the Bible doesn't work. It's that you just haven't read it enough because the Bible passage after passage is people who are exactly in your situation. Job says, behold, I cry out violence, but I am not answered. I call for help, but there is no justice. Where are you, God? Well, even when you don't see it, he's working. Even when you don't feel it, he's working, Job. David writing the Psalms, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Joseph probably feels like this. He can turn from the Lord or he can turn to the Lord. God knows. Psalms 22, how long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart of all the day? How long that my enemy be exalted over me? What a miserable experience. God, where are you? Well, he's right there with you, even when you don't see it. And that's why Romans chapter 8, 28 says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who love God. When you're in suffering, it's revealed if you love God or not. All those people who turn away, it's revealed they loved other things. They won't see the good that God has for them. But for those who love God, they will. For those who are called according to his purpose. And this verse fits perfectly with Joseph's story. And if you keep believing in the Lord, even in your suffering, this verse will fit perfect with your story. It might be hard to imagine right now if you are going through tough times, if you are suffering, if things are happening in your life which are against God's will, if things that are happening which grieve God just like they grieve you, it's hard to see that. That's why we trust. That's why faith comes in. And here's what Joseph has to do. He has to keep believing. He has to keep following. And we do as well. Joseph's in prison. For, he's going to be in prison for at least two years. A second massive setback. But God is so good, he will use those setbacks in our life, those very setbacks, to be the very things which bring us to the success that he wants for us. That's how good God is. And Joseph might seem like he's in a period of fruitless waiting, and he might be tempted to scream out, God, where are you? And you might as well. And the, God, where are you? Where are your plans? Why does Joseph have to wait so long to do God's plans? God's called him to lead. Why doesn't God just do it now? 
The interesting thing is if you wanted to do Satan's plans, if I wanted to do Satan's plans, I wouldn't have to wait at all. I could walk right down off the stage right now and start following Satan immediately and start following his plans. For a couple hundred bucks and a trip to the liquor store, I could ruin my life, my career, and my marriage in no time. I don't need to wait for that. I don't need any special training to do that. As soon as the bank opens Monday morning, I can get there and ruin my life with no special training, no, no help from anyone. I can take all my money out and blow it on all things for me and take out a bunch of loans. If we want to do Satan's plans, you won't have to wait at all. And this is a, another sermon for another time, but John chapter 15, Jesus says, you can do nothing apart from me. You are the fruit, I am the vine. Abide in me. You can do nothing apart from me. We can do nothing godly, nothing good, truly, apart from Jesus. And therefore, we need to wait on him. And again, this is a bit of a sermon for another time. As a church, too, we're not going to just start doing things. We're going to pray. We're going to seek the Lord's will. Because even our desire to do good things, we can create things that, well, this isn't exactly where God was leading us. You could go from this auditorium right now and do plan on doing a bunch of good works and maybe God wants you to wait because maybe all you're doing is building an idol to your own self-righteousness that's not what God wants it's fascinating apart from Jesus we can do no good things and so we have to abide in him and wait in him and so Joseph has to abide in him and wait in him for years years to do the Lord's plans and I'm sure he did many other godly things for sure but what God is actually calling to, he's got to wait for years. And we might have to wait as we're looking at starting ministries or as we're looking at serving your life. You need to be in prayer. You need to be led by his Holy Spirit. And sometimes saying no is a godly thing and waiting. And here Joseph has to wait. We might have to wait to follow the Lord's plans as well because the Lord is preparing us he might be preparing you during the suffering and the struggling. He might be preparing. In fact, what we're going to learn from here is that the exact thing that Joseph learns in his time of waiting is the thing that God is going to use to get him out of that suffering. And God is going to use what he's preparing you for. You're not in a season of suffering for nothing. God's got good plans that he plans to bring to your life and, and restore and do new things. And, and he might use exactly what you're learning in this time to bring those exact things to pass. So we're going to read about how he does that in Joseph's time in prison. Sometime after this, verse 1, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against the Lord, the king of Egypt. And so these guys are bad followers. They're failing. They commit an offense. They're guilty. And Pharaoh was angry. Now, a lot of times the, the head cheese is... is uh, quick to judgment. He's hard on his people. This is not the case here. These guys, they actually deserve punishment. They have failed him. He needed them. They, they didn't come through. And so Pharaoh's angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. And he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them and he attended them and they continued for some time in custody. And if you remember from the last verse of the last chapter, 39, 23, it said that 
The Lord was with Joseph, and whatever he did, he made it succeed. And so verse 22, the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all of the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. And so here the chief cupbearer and the chief baker get sent to prison, and who's the one who watches him? Well, it's Joseph. Because wherever he is, he continues to follow the Lord, and God's plans for him, he sees those back in his life. And so here he's taking care of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. And verse 5 says, One night they dreamed the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt who were confined in prison, each his own, and each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. And so he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody in his master's house, Why are your faces downcast today? And they said to him, We have had dreams, and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. And so they have some dreams. They're troubled. They're dreams from the Lord. They need to know the interpretation. They go to Joseph, and they say, Hey, what's, what are, you know, what's the deal? Their, their faces are down. They're like troubled. Joseph says, Why are your faces down? We need to know what God is saying to us. And Joseph says, do not interpretations belong to God. Tell them to me. Now, if you want to hear from the Lord, this is interesting because we go one of two ways. We have people who are scholars and they get into the word and then sometimes they leave behind the spirit. And then we have people who are spirit people and a lot of times they seek the experiences and they leave behind the word. Now, God will work through dreams I had a few dreams that I felt God just gave me in my life. They were incredible. In fact, the person who I'm staying with right now, he had a dream that old friends would come back into his life. He has a home that he's hoping to move into that he's not moved into yet. And God gave him a dream, and so he got that house ready. And all of a sudden, he finds out we're coming. And God moved. It's amazing. It's amazing stuff. God will do that. But God, what God can do and, and could do isn't always what he's going to do. And a lot of times the spirit people, they want to make these type of dreams a normative experience. And the Bible tells us God will work through dreams, particularly I think it's Joel 2.28. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young will see visions, something like that. I think I just misquoted it. Something like that. We will have dreams from God, but... If we want to hear from God, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that you just take a nap right now. I mean, if it were that easy, we wouldn't have sermons. We would just go to sleep. And some of us do. <laughs> but if you want to hear from God, if you want to hear from God and you want to know you are hearing from God, then open the Bible. Open His Word. You can literally read any page and you will hear from God. Now, so often we think, oh, I want God to speak on what I'm going through, right? Like, I, I'm, I'm lonely, I'm, I'm sick, I'm whatever. I want God to speak to that. And we go, and we read Second Chronicles. Rehoboam went to Shechem for all Israel had come to Shechem to make a new king. And as soon as Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, heard it, for he was in Egypt, where he had fled from King Solomon, Jeroboam returned from Egypt. And they sent and called him, and Jeroboam and all Israel came and said to Rehoboam, your father... God just spoke to you, and you didn't listen because you wanted to hear something else. But God has something he wants to say to you. What did God just tell us? Did you hear that record-keeping? 
These people are meticulous. Sit there and stop and think about what you just read. Don't think about what you want God to say to you. Think about what he's saying to you. These people made no mistakes when they wrote stuff down. They're pedantic. These people are the details people that drive me nuts. I want to get the meeting over with. I want to get home and have dinner. And they're like, we need to record the minutes of the meeting. And, and at 9.42, we said, that, I mean, these are the record keepers. And what did God just say? Well, when you read that, and then you flip the page, you read about how Jonah got swallowed by a whale. Do you think those people just went away? Who are writing this stuff? We're meticulous about this, but now we're just going to start making stuff up. There was a whale, and he came. No. These people made no mistakes, and God just spoke to you in his word. Did you listen? Your faith in the resurrection would have just increased if you heard from God as you read the genealogy. God's word, you can read any page and hear from God. He's got something to say to you on any page. When you read at the end of Paul's letters, and you turn, and it says, uh, greet Tychicus and, and Ephesus, and blah, 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 blah. Why is Paul writing that? Because these were real people who lived at a real time, at a real church. It's a real letter. It really happened. It wasn't made up. These fools who don't know the Bible, they run around, they read something on the internet, and they tell you it was all made up. That's why God included this in here. And you can read any page, any passage, and hear from God. But we sit there and we wonder, what would God say to me right now? Where are you, Lord? And he says, I wrote it down. So you wouldn't have to wonder. And God is with Joseph and he interprets dreams. And we want to do both. We want to be spirit-led people who look at that. And we hear God speaking. We want to be spirit-led people who are open to these experiences and praying for some of them. But we also don't want to be people who make these experiences the norm and don't listen to what God has to say for us here. And we don't want to people be people too who just focus on this and miss God's spirit activity in our life. So if we want to hear from God this morning, I pray. I'm going to take a nap afterwards. I pray God speaks to me there. But I know God is speaking to us right now as we read this. And God's got something he wants to do through these people, through his spirit. It's incredible. They have dreams. And so the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream there was a vine before me, and on the vine there were three branches. As soon as it budded, its blossoms shot forth, and the clusters ripened into grapes. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, and I pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And then Joseph said to him, This is its interpretation. The three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head. You are going around with your head down. Pharaoh's going to... You don't have to walk around in shame anymore for your offense. You failed... Your master, but God is going to restore you, and that shame will, will lift from you because you, he will restore you to your office, and you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly when you were his cupbearer. Only remember me, right? Remember the guy who served you in prison and told you God's word, the interpretation of the dream, because I am here, I did nothing wrong. Only remember me when it is well with you, and please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews. And here I also have done nothing that they should put me into the pit. I mean, talk about 
a bunch of setbacks. And Joseph's like, you're going back. I've helped you. Please help me. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, I also had a dream. Oh, man, when he saw, he didn't come first. But later on, when he saw that that was a face, he came and said, I want one of those too. He's coming to hear some good news. I also had a dream. There were three cake baskets on my head. and the uppermost basket, there were all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating it out of the basket on my head. And Joseph said, this is its interpretation. The three baskets are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you. That is not the most tactful way. You could have brought that news. One guy's down like this. He says, the Lord is going to lift up your head and restore you. And the next guy's down like this. And Joseph said, the Lord is going to lift your head right off your shoulders. And that'll be the end of your life and hang you on a tree. And the birds will eat the flesh from you. No one wants to hear a hard message. That baker, he didn't want to hear it. He's like, I'm not, that dream was troubling. I'm going to pretend it's not there. And then when he finds there's another interpretation that's favorable, he says, I want one of those. And he, well, here's what he wants from Joseph. You know, you might have sinned. You might be untrustworthy. You might be unreliable. You might have evil in your heart. But it's fine. It's going to be fine. You're going right back to the top. And that's the message that every one of us wants to hear. I mean, to be honest, that's why we come to church. We hear the good, we want to hear the good news. We're going through tough times or whatever, and we want to hear that God is good and that he is going to lift up our heads. I don't want to hear bad news. And we laugh at the baker for waiting back and not coming forward until he hears that it's safe. And so many people do that when they come to church. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. When I come to church, I don't want to be challenged. And you get these churches, the biggest pastor in America repeatedly says, sin, I don't talk about sin. What do you mean? Then no one's getting saved. Because you have to have an address, the hard news, before you can receive the good news. We laugh at the chief baker, but we don't want to hear it. We might be in a time of suffering right now, and we're like, yeah, I know it. Give me the good news. But we may be in a time of prosperity right now. We don't want to hear that God might allow Satan and his plans in our life, which will cause us to suffer, because he's got something he wants to grow and do in us for later. I don't want to hear that. That's not why I came to church. You're telling me I'm, God might allow me to get sick? You know, the message of the Scripture is not follow the Lord so that nothing will ever go wrong. When Jesus taught his disciples, he looked at them and said, every one of you is going to die. And he was right. Eleven out of the twelve died for their faith, except for John, who wrote the Gospel of John in Revelation. He was merely boiled in hot oil and somehow managed to survive. And the poor people looked at him and said, we've done enough. And they put him on an island in prison for the rest of his life. And that is what the followers of Jesus received. And the message is not follow Jesus so everything's fine. In general, if we follow Jesus, we're going to be blessed. And in the end, everything will be fine. But that's the message that Jesus is saying. If you love your life, you're going to lose it. Only those who are willing to lose their life for me will find it. 
If you're going through suffering right now, you're like, where is God? Well, you're in exactly the place that God has been preparing you for. God's got something he wants to do. Even when you don't see it, he's working. Even when you don't feel it, he's working. We don't want to hear that bad news. People who are condemned and going to hell, they want good news because they think they're good people. The saved are the ones who realize that they're sinful and they need to repent. The people who are going to hell think, if God exists, he must have a pretty high opinion of me. It's the saved that realize, I need the Lord's forgiveness. And no one wants to hear that news. We laugh at the baker for hanging back because he only wants to hear good news. But we've all been given the exact same message that the baker's been given. Without the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to hell. He'll lift our head off from us. No one wants to hear that we are worthy of God's judgment. But to receive the good news, that's the first thing we need to do is repent. Repent of being worthy of God's judgment. And God is good. God is loving. He does want to save us. He wants to save this baker. If only he'll turn to him. God wants to save you. God wants to save me. There is good news. It is good news. But we have to deal with reality first, and that is difficult stuff. And talk about an awkward situation. For three days, this baker and Joseph are in the prison. If I was Joseph, I'd have been like, come back to me in about two days and 23 hours. I'll tell you what's going to happen. The rest of the three days, they're probably sitting in there, and the baker's like, so that thing you said, that's, that's really going to happen? Yep. <laughs> am, I, am I really going to die? Yes, yes. Talk about an awkward three days in prison. And they sit there for three days, and at the end of the three days... It says, on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Joseph did this thing for him and got him back to where he needed to be, and he forgot him. And after two whole years, Joseph has cost two more years because this man wouldn't help him. And if you're a human being, you've been let down by other people as well. We've all done it. I've let people down, and I've been let down by people. There's so many times where somebody in my life, you'd expect them to help. Like, I helped you. I've done this for you. I've done these things for you. And you're like, hey, could you? I'm in a really tough spot. No? (laughs) Really? And if you're suffering, if somebody's let you down, when others fail you, God won't forget you. If you have a Bible and you're, you take notes, write in your Bible, right? Write this down in your Bible if you've got one. When others fail you, God won't forget you. Because that guy forgot him, and God gave that guy plenty of time to do what was right. 
But God's plans for Joseph don't change. God doesn't forget him. And after two years, what happens? Well, God gives Pharaoh a dream. God's not going to let Joseph continue to suffer at the hands of evil. He won't let you continue to suffer. He's going to turn the tables. And it's a long time for Joseph. It's two years. Now, God could have done this after two days or two weeks or two months, but he did it after two years. And it's a long time. And the unbeliever will say, that's too much time. It's too much time. I've been waiting for this long. I'm done. But for the believer, they look at it differently. It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time before the Lord restores what Satan has done in your life and blesses you. You might have to wait four days or 40 days. You might have been waiting 40 years, but it's only a matter of time. And you might have to wait until the time that Jesus returns. And I used to think that would be a long time. Now I'm starting to think it might be a little sooner than I previously expected. But it still might not be. It still might be another 4,000 years. But it doesn't matter. It's only a matter of time. God gives Pharaoh a dream. And what does Joseph do? Joseph interprets dreams. So God gave Pharaoh a dream so that he would come and eventually get back to Joseph. After two whole years, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing by the Nile. And behold, there came up out of the Nile seven cows, attractive and plump. And we're just going to summarize this a little bit. But there's these plump, healthy cows and these sickly, skinny cows come out and they eat the plump cows. And Pharaoh's like, that's messed up. That was like a horror film. What is going on in my life? And so he calls for Joseph. And if we go down to, where are we, verse 8? So in the morning his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was none who could interpret them to Pharaoh. And then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Oh, yeah, I remember. I remember. There's a guy who in prison can help you out. And when we're suffering and we feel like God is not with us, we are tempted to want to take the mantle, the, the responsibility, the burden of fixing our lives on our shoulders. That is a miserable, horrible experience. Miserable, horrible experience to take God's responsibility on your shoulders. And, and that's exactly the first thing I do every time I suffer. I feel, where is God? I've got to figure out what I'm going to do. But God's got a plan, and the best thing you can do is to trust in him. When others fail you, God won't forget you. And here when Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me in the custody of the chief baker, in custody of the house of the captain of the guard, we dreamed on the same night, he and I, each having a dream with its own interpretation. And a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard, and when we told him, he interpreted our dream to us, giving an interpretation to each man according to his dream. And as he interpreted to us, so it came about. I was restored to my office, and the baker was hanged. If you're looking for an interpretation of your dream, there's this guy. Let's go get him. So Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they quickly brought him out of the pit. And when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came in before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there's no one who can interpret it. I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. And so Joseph answered Pharaoh, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. 
Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Behold, in my dream I was standing on the banks of the Nile. And he tells the dream back to Joseph. And going down to verse 25, Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has revealed Pharaoh to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty ears, he gets another dream about corn. It's the same thing as the cows. The, the good, healthy ones are eaten by the, destroyed by the skinny, sickly ones. And the seven empty ears blighted by the east wind are also seven years of famine. It is as I told Pharaoh. God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. There will come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt, but after them there will arise seven years of famine, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine will consume the land, and the plenty will be unknown in the land. And so Joseph reveals to Pharaoh his dream, and then just summarizing a bit, Joseph gives Pharaoh a plan. He says, what we're going to do is we're going to select, verse 33, select a discerning and wise man, put him over all of Egypt, and what we'll do is we'll take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the plentiful years, and then we'll use that for when the famine comes, and we'll be just fine. And so God has told Pharaoh this famine is coming. He's told Joseph a plan to save everyone. In verse 37, this proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? We're going to talk a little bit more about these dreams next week. But Joseph, whether he's in the palace or the prison, he's the same. He's a faithful follower of God. And God takes what that woman and what the, the wife of Pharaoh and what the brothers meant to destroy Joseph. He takes that instead. He turns the tables on that. And God has a plan to bless Joseph through those things. And they look at Joseph and they say, is anyone found like this guy who's got the Spirit of God in him? And is anybody saying that about you? Is anybody saying that about me? What are we doing here, right? If this isn't our focus, what are we doing here this morning? If no one's saying that about us, then we should get with it. We should start taking this a little more seriously. We need to start repenting. We need to start following the Lord. We need to start seeking His Spirit. I want people to say that about me. What else is the point of my life? We can sit at home and we can do other things. Everybody says they're so busy. Everyone says they're so busy, but you ask people what the TV shows they're watching are, and they'll talk to you for hours about the TV shows they're watching. And we say we're so busy, but somehow we manage to keep up with everybody on social media. We say we're so busy, but instead of following God, what we're doing is we're just wasting our lives. And we sit there, and we sit there at night, and we just scroll, 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 scroll. Instead of following God, we're just scrolling. If we want to follow God, we start, got to start repenting and reading his word and learning about him and seeking him. We can be a scroller or we can be a scholar. The reason why we want God to speak to us in dreams is because it's easy. I wish I could just take a nap, Lord. This takes some effort. We open it up. It says this doesn't make sense. This is going to take me days to read. This is going to take me days to understand. And what God says, you don't want to hear from me. So you won't. Keep scrolling. I won't speak to you. 
If we're so lazy, we won't read his word because it's hard. We didn't want him anyway. And what's been revealed to us is that we never loved the Lord. What we loved was our pleasure, our free time, and our comfort. They say, who was like this guy? Because everyone else is sitting there scrolling. Everyone today, we're sitting there scrolling. Instead of being a scholar, we're scrollers. And I want to be someone. I want to be someone who the people say can say, like, who's like this guy? It means I got to repent. I don't want to struggle with the same things I'm 39. I don't want to struggle with the same things when I'm 49 as today. I better start moving. And it's not going to happen quick. It's going to take time. It takes Joseph two years in prison. But God uses the exact same, same thing. He taught him in prison to bring him out. God taught him to interpret dreams. And God wants to teach you something. God wants to teach me something. We better get on it. It took Joseph two years in prison, two extra years in prison. He's actually been in prison 13 years. Don't overestimate what God will do in your life in a year or a day. Don't overestimate that. But don't underestimate how much God will do in you in five years, in 10 years, in 13 years. God's got a plan and he's working in us. What God taught in Joseph in prison, he used to bring him out. What God is doing in your life right now. He's going to use that. For his plans. And Pharaoh sets Joseph over all of his house. And Joseph could sit there and be discouraged by these setbacks in his life. And you might be too. They're legitimately discouraging. These things that we experience. The Satan coming against us. That's discouraging. And Joseph could sit there and say, like, I don't have anything anymore. I'm in prison. It's all been taken from me. I'm not achieving anything. I'm not purchasing anything. I don't own anything. I had dreams for my career. I had goals. I was almost saved up to get that, that boat. I was almost there. But more important to God than what we're achieving, more important to God than what we're purchasing, is who we're becoming. And we sit there, we measure God's promise. And we talked about this a few years ago. We measure God's presence by our prosperity because we're sinful people. I'm being blessed. I've got a lot of things. God must love me. Oh no, things are going bad. I've had to sell the, the car to make the bills and God must not care. We don't measure God's presence by our prosperity. We measure it by his promise. God's promised to be with us. And what we have is not as important to God as who we are. You see, God allows everything to be taken from Joseph because he wants Joseph to be someone else. He wants Joseph to become something else, I should say. And so he takes everything Joseph has. Because he's got a plan to make Joseph who he wants. And we sit there and we measure God's activity in our life by what he's given us. Well, I've got this and I've got that and I've got this. Or I don't have this and I don't have that and I don't have this. And God's down there saying, who do I have? Who are you? I don't, I've, got the, I've got the car and I've got the house. I don't have the car and I don't have the house. And God's saying, I don't have someone who's trustworthy. I don't have someone who's resilient. Or I do have someone who's loving. Or I do have someone who's patient. And that's way more important to God. 
If you're going through struggles, if you're going to suffering, know that none of that's as important to God as who you are. God wants somebody who he can trust. God wants someone who will serve him. And most important overall, God wants someone who will love him. Because God loves you. And he wants that same love in return. And God is using all the things in your life. The goal of all the things that God is allowing in your life is who you are. God wants you to love him. That's who God wants. That's who God wants you to be. When Jesus, when they get to heaven, and, they, and Jesus rejects people, he doesn't reject people for being inappropriate. He rejects them for being not intimate. Right? It comes to Jesus, they say, he says, I never knew you. Get to heaven, Jesus says, you never did this. You never did that. No, he says, I never knew you. I wanted to know you. And God allows everything in our lives so we'll draw closer to him. And he allows everything in our lives to reveal in our hearts whether we love him or not. And God allows this all in Joseph's life. And he develops him. And it's revealed that Joseph loves him. And God uses the same thing he learned in the prison to get him out. And God will be using that exact same thing in your life as well. God might learn the grit. God might take the grit that you learned in the suffering and use that for his kingdom. God might take the patience that you learned in the suffering, the strength that you got by getting through, the faith that you developed by going through to get you out of that situation and for you to do his will. And at the end, chapter 41, verses 51, and chapter 41, verse 51 and 52, Joseph called the name of his firstborn Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my hardships. God has made me forget all my hardships. And through Jesus, you will forget all of your hardships. Praise the Lord. I look back at my life, and I think, I don't even think about that thing that happened in 2001. That thing that kept me awake at night, I don't even think about that anymore. Praise the Lord. I've forgotten the hardships of 2001. Praise the Lord. I don't even, that thing that happened in 2006 that I couldn't stop thinking about was just ruining my life. I don't even think about that anymore. And then the same thing about the hardship of 2009 and the hardship of 2012 and pretty soon the hardship of 2019 and 2020. You won't even remember it if you keep following the Lord. And that's what is in store for you. And that's what God has done for Joseph. That's what he's going to do for me. And that's what he's going to do for you. And let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for being a God who is big enough and strong enough that we can trust with all of our suffering and hardship. Lord, we pray right now that you would deliver us from the things that we are experiencing. But before we do, God, Lord, we pray that you would work in our hearts that we can become the type of people who you want us to be. God, I pray that we wouldn't waste our time as we wait on you and as we seek you, Lord, that we wouldn't waste our time, that we would be seeking what you want to do in us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to focus on what you want, which is that we love you, God. As we go through this, Lord, I pray that you would teach us to depend on you more, to trust you more, to have more faith in you, to know you better. And Lord, as we learn that and as we wait on you, God, we pray that you just give us that strength and patience, that it could be revealed in our hearts, that as all of our different idols are tested, that you are the God of our lives. And we love you over everything. We love you more than our health. 
We love you more than our wealth. God, we love you more than our comfort. We love you more than the people around us. Lord, we love you more than their approval. We love you more than any of it. We love you more, God, than our career, our money, our prosperity, our social status. God, we love you more than anything. God, I pray that you'd bless us as we go through this suffering, that that's the kind of faith and love that we would have for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.